I just felt like I was losing my mind. Now, at this point, it, I think it was, um, you know, it was February. I came to him and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm unhappy. You're unhappy. Um, and he, he just didn't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. I said, I will consider it if you go get therapy. If you go go to therapy, yeah. work on you're you're depressed, you're you you've got all these things going on, please get some help. So that lingers on for a while. Then he finally does go to therapy because I said I just said, We're done. Mm -hmm. I'm done with you. Yes. I'm done with you. You you don't want to you're burnt out. I don't know what's going on. Um, because I think one of the last times that I was just like, I, I, I can't do this is I asked him to, uh, to help me. Um, what did I ask him to do? I think it was a bill. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like, but it yeah, was like, I, a, like I, a stupid amount. Yeah, it, it was, it was a, a gas bill. It was a gas bill. I was mm -hmm. negotiating with D the DWP and I was negotiating with the gas company and the cable company. And because he had just decided everything was delinquent. Um, but just before that, he went to therapy or he wouldn't go to therapy without me. I let him pick the therapist. We went to the therapist okay. and the therapist asked me what's going on. And I said, well, I married I'm not one of those women that married a man for his potential. I married him the way that I wanted him. But the man that I'm married to now, I don't want him. I don't want to be married to him. And I want what I had. Or I want this man to become better with me. Not for me, with me. So we can continue on in this marriage and this family. And uh, at the time, I, I will just admit this you know I was starting to flirt with other, other men mm -hmm. I just I like I said player for life I just can't I couldn't help myself and he was very upset about that but my affections were waning for you know with him and he wasn't giving or doing anything to save us and so slowly my heart and my emotions were fading for him because yes. if you can't you know be good to our children if you can't be good to me can you at least provide and protect so we can work through the other parts yes but he didn't want to do any of that he wanted me to just you know take the verbal abuse and take the the um you know the crumbling and the debilitating debt while he just did nothing, nothing at all. And so um, the therapist said to him, are you hearing your wife? It sounds very clear to me that she is not delusional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's being very honest, but you don't want to hear what she's saying because that means that you have to change. And I think the main thing is, is that you don't want to change or grow or heal or heal. 
needless to say, that was our last therapy meeting. He wouldn't go back. Mm. And after I'd already told him that I was done, that was part of the criteria. Go into therapy, stay in therapy and grow and change. And, you know, we can work on being a family and then a couple again. But he was dead set on there's nothing wrong with me. You just need to stand by me and do what I say to do and be how I need you to be in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds pleasant as a marriage. Not for me. No one. (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) Not this new Jahari. Not not just, not yeah, this Jahari would be like, oh, hell no. But back then I was like. She was forming. I was forming, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out if I could do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I had lost a bunch of weight. I was barely 110 pounds mm. at that point. Um, I looked sick. I was always sick. I was super depressed. And um, I decided to just ask him, here's a $20 gas bill. Because at this point I had put him out. He was living with his brother. Um, and I was starting to date at this point because I just was like, I'm over this. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy is always you get over someone by getting under someone. I know it's just, (laughs) it's just the way that that things have to be. So (laughs) just got to break that connection. So I was already, (laughs) (laughs) I started seeing someone else and he wanted to come back. I loved him. I I really, really loved him. And I said, okay, you pay this gas bill and we can start building again. So he's like, absolutely. I'm going to go pay it today. I'm going to go pay it today. You know, we started trying to rebuild. We started trying, you know, doing things as family. We, he was starting to come over. I hadn't let him move back in yet. Mm -hmm. And then about two weeks later, I got another red notice Hmm. from the gas company he lied to me and didn't pay it and when I confronted him about it he said looking me dead in the eyes yeah I I knew I wasn't going to pay it but I wanted to come back and I so I lied to you yeah at that point I said get out now we're done 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 yeah yeah is it over? Oh, it's over, over. <laughs> it's over, over, over. over. It's, it's so over, over. That it's no longer going to be it's under. It's over, over. At, at that point, I filed for divorce because okay. I hadn't at that point. I filed for for divorce. So um, that just became a freaking yeah. nightmare um, because, of course, he felt like we should work it out. Um, but... It, it, there was nothing to work out. I, yeah. I was done. So to try to hurt me, he took a job out of state and told me at this point we had gone through another year and um, we uh, he told me on Christmas Eve that he was moving to Colorado. OK. At two days afterwards. And um, he would not be uh, taking custody of the kids at any point. And um you know, I was like, well, aren't you going to take them for this, that or whatever? He said, no, well, when I fly back, I'll see them. So for a, a year to two years, the kids probably only saw him two or three times. And 
they were young, so they didn't really get it. But at that point, I was had to clean up all the mess. Mm-hmm. You know, the house was in foreclosure. Um, I had no car. Um, he left with his car. Um, my car had been repossessed. At this point, I had four jobs, um, working my way to five jobs, <laughs> ultimately, uh, two full-time and three part-time. No car. My kids and I were taking the bus. We were on, um, we took the train. Um, on the weekends, I would take the train to, on Friday night, I would take the train to my parents' house, drop the kids off, work all weekend. Um, at the end of, uh, you know, uh, Sunday, I would get on the train, go back to my parents' house, pick up the kids, come back to get on the bus to take them to school in the morning. You were taking care of business. I, I had no choice. I was in full on fight and survival mode. Um, Luckily, I was working for a uh, a gentleman that had me driving cars back and forth to Riverside. That's a whole another story, and he gave me one of gave me a car. So I was driving this uh, Honda Accord station wagon that had like a taped on side view mirror, and um, it uh, would break down every <laughs> every couple of weeks. But at least it was a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I was teaching yoga just so I could get a free membership to try to stay in shape. And, you know, my way of dealing with stress is I go and get on the treadmill and run for an hour until I'm exhausted. And so I can't be angry anymore. Um, I was um, had the two full time jobs and I'm starting to get out of the hole. Like I'm dealing with an attorney that's helping me talk to the mortgage company to try to keep the house from being foreclosed on. You know, luckily it was like just as Obama was coming into office and he was dealing with all those, you know, subprime loans and all that crap. So that was working. You know, I, you know, kept the house up, um, paid down all, all the bills. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm just starting I get the second full-time job and I'm like, I can breathe. You know, maybe I can save a little money at this point. I get hit with two uh, garnishments that were from, that were his. Mm. So I got garnished by the, the state franchise board for a company that he and his brother had started. And they put me on as a 1% owner in case they had a, dispute i would be to the deciding factor and since both of them did you know about that i i had forgotten about it because it was so long ago and i was like yeah 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 sure uh whatever because i didn't think that i'd ever yeah i trust my oh i trust you honey yeah everything's everything's fine everything's fine and so they went directly into my bank account and took it and I was just shell shocked. I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. And then three weeks after that, I get alerted by my, the job that I'd had for years, that full time, that I was being garnished by the car company because when they repoed the car, it didn't sell for the full amount of the loan. So I was responsible for the remaining. For the, for the remaining. Ah. So they were starting to take you know, money out of my, (laughs) out of that check. And I, I just, I broke down. I was at my second job and I had been working probably 10 days straight at this point. And I just sat in the back room and cried 
and cried and cried. And for some reason, I decided to call him and say, like, you know, we had started the divorce proceedings, but it hadn't, you know, it just it was a mess because he just did all kinds of things to keep us from getting divorced because he thought the longer he stalled me, I would just come back. Yep. Yeah. So I called him and said, hey, I'm being garnished by the car company. And he goes, yeah, so? I said, did you know? He said, yeah, I saw the letters. I said, how did you see the letters? Oh, yeah, I, you know, they were in the mail. So I also found out at that time that he had been stealing the mail. What? So I probably could have stopped those things from happening because they give you a, a period of time to, like, come and, you know, challenge them. But he was taking them out of the mail, so I wouldn't know. So it was like a, you know, kind of like he set me up kind to get illegal. it in, you <laughs> know, really it, it is. But hey, that's what, you know, he did a lot of little underhanded things like that yeah. to keep me from prospering at all. Because in his mind, he you, wanted you to be dependent on him, to be dependent on him and 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 not move on yep. until he could get himself together. You know, that's what he thought. Oh, once I like, get once yeah. I get my life together, she'll come back. She'll come back. Yeah, but, but no, yeah. at this point, I can't trust that you're going to do the things that you say that you're going to do because I gave you my un unrequited trust, like un, not unrequited. I gave you my unconditional trust. Yep. Completely. Um. And uh, I just, I didn't. I just couldn't believe it. I was just so dumbstruck. But you know what? Like I said, at this point, I had, um, at this point, exactly, I had what the two full-time, two part-time, and then I got a, a fifth job. So I was working constantly and still making it at home, pick up the kids, play with them, you know, on, do their homework, all that stuff. Uh, my kids are, are were, you know, were and are excellent students. And I was just had so many balls in the air um, at so I was like, okay, whatever. I'm, I just have to do this. So I kept pursuing, uh, um, trying to get more hours, trying to do more things. Um, and uh, no help from him. No child support, no nothing. I think it was probably another year before I got him into mediation. And I actually got a check from him. Yep. And um, that it was a it was a very long time and, and quite a quite a few attorneys <laughs> before I got any headway in, in general with, um, with that. I, and it was, it was just super painful and dealing with the children wanting to talk, see their dad every day. Cause there would be times where they would just cry for him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had learned through the little bit of therapy that I could afford to just lay on the floor and cry with them. So I did. We would all just lay on the floor and cry and miss dad. That's just what we have to do. And then they'd say, you know, my older one would say like, you know, what's going on? And I would, you know, he knew, mm -hmm. he, he knew, he knew that things were bad and he was, he wasn't happy that we weren't together. He was happy that the fighting stopped um, because it had just gotten so bad. Um, after the, you know, I spent a lot of time doing that. And then finally I got enough raise from the, the, the first full-time job and 
you know, got another raise from the second job that and paid off the debt that things started going really well. And then I decided that I no longer wanted to be in that house. So I decided I'm done with this house. It took me a long time and I had to make him and his brother come over and finally deal with those boxes. I, I put a, a bottle of Hennessy and a joint out there and I was like, fucking deal with this. I'm going into the house, but it better be out of here by this weekend. Otherwise I'm going to leave it here. Mm -hmm. So he finally dealt with that. I had, you know, I did yard sales and all the other stuff. And at the same time was looking for some place to live. And I ran into this wonderful, amazing woman. And she had basically been through the same thing that I did. And, but she was lucky enough to have parents who were very well off and they had bought her a condo and she through her, you know, life and experiences met a wonderful man and she was moving into his house, but she wanted to rent her condo, but she only wanted to rent her condo to someone she knew, not to someone she knew, yeah. someone who was a single mother. Yeah. She said she had tons of candidates and people that worked for this company and that company. She yeah. said, but it just didn't make her feel good. And she met me and she was like, it's yours. Nice. She even lowered the rent for me so I can make it work. And I moved into this gorgeous three-bedroom, three-bathroom condo on a pool with tennis courts and all, all this right. stuff. So the kids were like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, they were. We moved in the summer, and they were uh, so excited. They had a pool. You know, I had, I decided to get two cute little Shih Tzu dogs. So they each had a dog. And they had a pool and this place had like a little, you know, park, a dog park. The kids were in heaven. Mm -hmm. I was in heaven because I had left. Well, you were living in hell for so I long. I lived in that house in hell for so long and was hanging on to that house and, and all of that for so long. I just couldn't be there anymore. Mm -hmm. There were just too many memories. And it was so great because when I moved into this area, three other divorcees moved in with their kids all right so it was like it, a little community it was like melrose place or you know it was like a you know a reality show yeah with you know us trying to counsel each other on the divor divorce dramas and the children and the schools and all that other stuff and they're just like a bunch of hot milfs sitting around the pool every That's weekend right. in bathing suits so much that like my my ex came by once and he was like do you guys ever put clothes on and i was like why the kids' bags are here. You could go. Mm -hmm. It just bothered him so much to see that I was happy thriving. and thriving without him. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a lot of help from a lot of different people that gave me some really great advice on how to, you know, pay bills, how to save money, you know, what things to, you know, save for for my children. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is like never dip into those, like find a way to create more income without dipping into your savings, yeah. which were things that I just didn't know. Cause I basically, even though I, you know, had apartments and lived on my own, I really didn't know anything about anything until yeah. I got married. I was so very, very young. And, um, he, he just, he, he wasn't very happy with that, but that's fine. At this point I was thriving girl, having right. a great time, living my best life, doing the most. Um, the one thing that I will say that I um, 
I learned in that is you can survive anything if you ask for help. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that helped me is that I had no shame, no ego, no pride. I would just tell people, I'm broke. I've got two kids. I need to, to work be it part-time, freelance, full-time, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't care if what they thought of me because all I cared about was the two little ones and their and what they needed. Mm -hmm. And making them happy and making sure that they didn't live in a in a state of lack because you know, now I was a single parent, even though that was not what I ever thought I would be. Yep. I didn't get married to become a single parent. Nobody does. But I ended up there. And that was heartbreaking. But realizing that the best thing that I did was just tell people, hey, can you help me in any way? If you can, great. If you can't, that's good too and people ca came through and helped you know like my boss giving me the car like a, a guy that I dated for a while that gave me some really great um, financial advice mm -hmm. um, you know my friend's father who like coached me the entire time through divorce and um, and uh, and foreclosure and life and gave yeah. me books to read I will forever be grateful to those people. Yes, absolutely. Because I, nobody had any advice for me. Nobody, even people who had been divorced, wouldn't, didn't want to talk to me about divorce because it was too traumatic for them. So, which I am very different now. If mm -hmm. people want to talk about divorce, I'll talk to them. You're like, which part? <laughs> yeah, which part? Where, where, where are we You know, at? like <laughs> you want to talk custody, you yeah. want to talk, you know, filing. What, what do you want to talk? We could talk about any of that. Mm -hmm. But that is the, the greatest thing that I learned. Like, put your pride aside. Put your ego aside and ask for help. You know, a lot of people will say, like, oh, I don't want to put my business out there. Your business will be out there if you were on the street. Okay. Well, especially with social media. Your yeah, business your is already business out there. Your, yeah, people put their, their business out I'm there. I'm giving a coffee. I know, right? I no, know, it's right? Okay. But that is the, the, the biggest thing that I... I learned. And during that time, I, I needed a lot of mental support. And the my friend's father had me really dive into the meditation aspects mm -hmm. of yoga. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. how I decided that I needed to create the mantras that I am want to share and talk about on this podcast. And going forward, my free of fear, full of joy moments in my life, in your life, Sarah, and going forward, Free of fear, full of joy. Free of fear, fear full, full of, of joy. joy. Free, Free of fear, fear full, full of joy. joy. <laughs> I, um, I am so, so proud of where I am. I, I don't really compare myself with anybody else. I just it's compare hard myself. I surround myself with I other compare myself with my former self. That's Can right. I be better than my former self? That's how I always what think. What have I learned? How but, can I grow? But I realized that free of fear, full of joy was a thing um, 
when I met my current husband mm -hmm. and we were in New York at Ooh. the Peninsula Hotel. We had been, you know, on the town. We'd done a bunch of things. And I started talking to one of the bartenders there and he was telling me about his, you know, you know, his struggles and so on. And I was like, well, I'm going to share something with you. This is something that I, I use and I say to myself in the morning. And these are the concepts that it came from. And I told him, I said, free of fear, full of joy. And so he went on to say, free of fear, full of joy. We're at the bar. And then the other bartender comes over and says, free of fear, full of joy. So the two of them are chanting it at the hotel with me and, and my, my husband, which was great. Then the rest of the bar started chanting All right. free of fear, full of joy. It was amazing. And I thought to myself, and this was a while ago, maybe there is something to this. Maybe I should share right. free of fear, full of joy with other people. Maybe I should do that. And I was marinating on it for a while. We went back to the peninsula six months later. Mm -hmm. I walked, we walked into the bar and the bartenders yelled out free of fear, full of joy. All right. As soon as I walked in and I was like, well, damn, <laughs> it's right. a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a so thing. it's a big thing. <laughs> and I, I just want to keep sharing it. And I'm glad that I shared it with you. Absolutely. And let's just keep sharing it with everyone. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Free Affair Full of Joy. I'm Jahari. And you are. I'm Sarah. <laughs> um, we hope that you have a beautiful day. And um, we'll talk together soon. Remember, find your Free Affair Full of Joy moment. <laughs>